You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hello and welcome to Nick Luck Daily, the show that brings you the latest news and the sharpest insight from around the world of horse racing. It is Wednesday the 8th of December. Tom Stanley in for Nick today. He's on his way out to Bahrain for the start of the Bahrain Turf Series. That starts on Friday. He will be back tomorrow. Do not fear. There's plenty to discuss today. We'll be speaking to Akidia's Catherine Ford about the News yesterday that broke that four members of the Rossi family are among 15 that have been arrested on allegations of doping in France, specifically in Marseille. We'll be speaking to the CEO of Fitzstairs, Will Woodhams, about a, a new book that has launched. We start, though, with the resumption of the Robbie Dunn BHA case, which did resume yesterday. And it was a, a day full of news coming out of the trial as well. So for the latest, here is David Yates, newsboy of the Daily Mirror. OK, well, yesterday we heard the beginning of the case for the defence. Obviously, the three days last week were taken up by the case for the British Horse Racing Authority. Yesterday, Robbie Dunn took the witness stand and he received, I thought, something of a, of a grilling from Louis West. And it's, it's funny, Tom, how your or one's idea of the result of a case changes when you listen to these uh, uh, the, the barristers in action. And I must say, I thought yesterday that, uh, that Robbie Dunn, I, I thought that uh, Louis Weston was predictably excellent in his questioning. Um, to start off with, it, we central to, to the, much of the questioning yesterday was the, the threat, the promise uh, that Robbie Dunn had made uh, to, to put Bryony Frost through the wing of a fence. And the meaning of this and whether it represented an actual threat, which is the case that uh, contended for by the BHA, or whether it was, in Robbie Dunn's words, uh, just a matter of speech. It wasn't a threat. It was a figure of speech. Um, Robbie Dunn denied that he had ever opened his towel and shaken himself in front of Bryony Frost, as was alleged last week. He actually described the relationship uh, between the pair as good or perfect until, he claimed, September the 8th of last year, which was uh, the day after that he'd received, allegedly received a, a, a phone call in which someone with a, a West Country accent threatened to break his legs. Louis Weston um, pointed to the uh, the tweet on virtual Grand National Day in April 2020, in which uh, he alleged, again, that, uh, that Dunn had been guilty of uh, bullying. Uh, Dunn, in response, said that he accepted that uh, the tweet about uh, what would happen if Yala Enki won the virtual Grand National and Bryony Frost interview, he accepted that that was unprofessional, uh, but he denied it was a case of bullying. And just finally, on uh, Robbie Dunn's evidence, the, the issue of uh, the words that were said at Stratford, he claimed that the, that the fence attendant, uh, in common with everybody else, uh, remember that the, that the unnamed fence attendant gave uh, testimony last week, 
and and said that it was a, a war moment when uh, he heard Robbie Dunn swearing at Bryony Frost. He said that nobody was close enough in attendance to hear what was said, and he, he felt that uh, although he quote might have had a bit of road rage, uh, that no one was was close enough to hear what was actually said. There was also bolstering the case for the defence, Dave, an all-star parade, well that's how the Racing Post describe it, um, for the defence, um, some well-known jockeys including former champion jockey Richard Johnson, um, all there to discuss the phrase or the threat putting someone through a wing. Yeah, that's right. Well, the names of Tom Scudamore, Nico de Boyneville, Gavin Sheehan, Ben Post, Lizzie Kelly, and Lucy Gardner, and of course, Richard Johnson, uh, the former champion jockey. And this was, this is essentially a, a, a tactic, I think, on the parts of the defence to, to normalise, if you like, the, the phrase, and it, forgive me if that sounds, if this sounds uh, ridiculous, but to normalise the phrase of a promise to put somebody through the wing of a fence during a horse race. Um, that Richard Johnson said that, that he had heard this phrase delivered many times during his uh, career, but of course uh, he said that this had never happened. And uh, again, this is an, an attempt by the uh, defence to say this was a figure of speech, it was not a threat, it happens uh, on numerous occasions that a jockey, one jockey threatens to put another one through the wing of a fence, but they don't actually do so. It seems at odds, that, doesn't it, with the, uh, the, the, the camaraderie that we're always told about and how the, the, the weighing room are essentially brothers and sisters in arms, uh, that, uh, that this should be a, 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 regular, a regular thing that's said. And then, just when we thought this case couldn't get any more surreal or indeed sinister, there were reports um, that um, three valets refused to work for Bryony Frost in wake of the allegations at Fontwell yesterday. Now, that is not disputed, Dave, that the valets did refuse to work for her, but the reasons as to why that was the case are disputed. That's um, largely because of the evidence that, that Chris Maud gave, seemed to conflict with a report from one of the valets there, um, Dan Fort, who revealed on both uh, Twitter and on Facebook that there were other reasons as to why they didn't work. So what's your take on that? Yeah, there was an interesting twist with regard to the valets. Remember that the evidence last week was given by Graham Piper, his nephew Lewis Piper, and Mark Sinfield. Now, Chris Maud's told Louis Weston yesterday that the three valets had not had, had chosen not to work for Bryony Frost at Fontwell yesterday. Now, let's clarify the reason that Chris Maud gives, and that is not because of a disagreement with Bryony Frost, but because of what they felt had been adverse press reporting uh, of uh, the issue that had shown them in a bad light. In, essentially, that they had condoned bullying. Now, Dan Fort said on Facebook, another valet had said, in fact, that their firm of valets hadn't worked for Bryony Frost for in the region of a year. And so that was the reason that 
uh, they hadn't been working for her at Fontwell yesterday. Of course, there is a there is a wider spin that will be put on this, and that is that that the, the battle lines are already drawn, and, and essentially that uh, that the valets are on the side of the defence. There was also a, a tweet yesterday from uh, Sir A.P. McCoy, who, who, who showed a, a, a photograph, I think, on his final day riding, uh, pictured with the valets looking and smiling at the camera. Um, on the face of it, again, this was just merely a tweet in support of his friends who were valets. Again, there will be, uh, it, it, it will be open uh, to a wider interpretation as to where I suppose his support and his sympathies lie within the case itself. And what is becoming increasingly clear, Dave, is that whatever sanction is imposed on Robbie Dunn at the conclusion of this hearing, and there will be a level of sanction because he has admitted at least one of the charges relating to improper conduct, that the severity of that sanction will have a direct impact going forward on Brani Frost and her life in the weighing room. Well, that's a very interesting point because I did the Nick Luck Daily, as it was then, on uh, Monday. And we talked about the reception that Bryony Frost had received from racegoers at Sandown as she came back after winning the Tingle Creek on Green Teen, Grenatine. Um, and as you say, it, it is equally clear that whilst there was a, a rapturous and a stirring support from racegoers at Sandown, equally, for all that the reception on the race course from race goers was extremely positive. As you say, there is clearly a very deep divide here and that some of these uh, wounds are going to take a very, very long time. You mentioned the, uh, the sanction that there will be, the, the, the three strong independent judicial panel have got a real task on their hands and I think probably an impossible task uh, in, in the sense that they've got to they've got to satisfy everyone we know that 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 isn't going to be uh that that isn't going to be achieved but yeah clearly there is a uh, there is a very strong and deep uh, divide across the sport and you know we can we can put this uh, crudely by saying that it's it's very positive among race goers and it seems to be pretty negative in the weighing room at the moment. I think that there is another point that is just worth mentioning and this has been chewed over before, but what does seem evident from all this is that the, the, the self, the so-called self-policing of the weighing room, which uh, according to many has, has worked very well for generations. Well, from, from what I can make out listening to uh, four days of, of evidence in this hearing. I don't think that seems to be working very well at all. Right, turning our attention across the channel now and news breaking yesterday, which my guest described as a bombshell in France when you tweeted about it. This is Akidia's Catherine Ford, that um, the Le Parisian newspaper reported four members of the Rossi family have been taken into, a, into custody, among 15 people taken into custody following allegations of doping and um, falsification of records as well. Catherine, welcome. Tell us a little bit more. 
Yeah, thanks, Tom. French racing in the news for the worst possible reasons at the moment. But yeah, this story was broken by Le Parisien, which is a daily general public newspaper yesterday to say that 15 people have been taken into police custody. Today, it's been confirmed again by the Parisian that uh, 15 people were kind of taken in yesterday, 11 of them are in custody and they include of course Group 1 winning trainers Frédéric Rossi, Cédric Rossi, Charlie Rossi and his wife uh, the jockey Jessica Marcialis and this follows on from a 10-month uh, judicial investigation um, which has been going on looking through records phone tapping and observation and it sounds as though they were alerted by um, anomalies in the performances of horses the um, rossi family are particularly active in the claiming market here in france which is um, very a very common um, part of the program here in france so a lot of horses have kind of joined the rossi family one of the rossi trainers from other from other professionals people have noticed physical changes, unexplained improvement in, in performances, and also uh, a few doubtful samples um, in the past. So um, yeah, this has come as a bit of a bombshell. They're all, um, they're all uh, in, uh, in custody. And it's also been reported by the Jour de Gallo that um, several horses, up to 10 or 12 horses, have had their passports uh, confiscated as part of this inquiry and there's also mention of race fixing um, coming into the picture as well so it sounds as though unfortunately we may not uh, we may be hearing more about it Tom. Yeah plenty more um, so uh, Cedric Rossi of course had a, a, a standout season as, as a trainer dual group one winner this season winning the Pridle Opera and also the Kipco British Champion Stakes with with Seal Away. Catherine was there any any idea that this this bombshell was about to land were, 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 were there sort of questions being raised over the last year or so about the performance particularly at the top level of those horses um yes i mean i'm afraid uh, there has there have been rumors circulating i mean as you've seen uh, in the uk and in ireland um there are often rumors whether they're um, verified or not but uh, the, the rossi family especially cedric and uh, frederick have been at the center of rumors um, over the past uh, months and couple of years and it's worth noting i mean this is this is fact i mean i don't know how you want to analyze this but they've all three of them have won their first group one races over um, over the past two years frederick rossi won the pudis et des last year with dream and do charlie rossi winning the um, Marcel Boussac with Tiger Tanaka and Cedric Rossi winning, of course, as you said, in October, the Opera and the, the Champion Stakes. But uh, yeah, there, there have been these rumours circulating. They're based at uh, Marseille at the training centre of uh, Calas and the Parisian newspaper was also reminding that that um, training centre is, uh, is overseen by Jacques Rossi, who's the brother of Frédéric. And Frédéric, he's the uncle of uh, Charlie and Cédric, who are uh, both uh, cousins. So a bit of a family affair going down, on down here in, uh, in Marseille. And yeah, the way it was broken yesterday, the, um, the kind of the scale of the operation was very much a bombshell. But uh, I think if you go onto a French race course and you ask people, are you surprised that, um, that there has been a police investigation, then people would probably honestly say no. And it's worth pointing out that Frédéric Rossi has been uh, 
um, in the spotlight of the uh, French stewards and the France Gallo authorities in the past. In June 2019, he received a 1,500 euro fine for a positive test. Again, in June 2020, a 2,000 euro fine for irregularities in prescriptions. And then in uh, this um, summer, he received a three-month suspended suspension of his um, of his license following yet another positive test. So uh, Frederic Rossi, he has been a little bit on a, a fine line in recent uh, months and years. And do you have any idea, I know this is incredibly early days um, with news breaking less than 24 hours ago, any idea of, of the timeline of events from now and any idea what the possible sanctions going forward could be or is that, is that just, just too far away for us to speculate? It's very difficult to know uh, sanctions-wise. France Gallo published a communique, um, a press release yesterday evening to say that uh, uh, that they had no comment to make, basically, but they reminded that there are 30,000 um, drug tests taken every year and that... Uh, um, anti-doping is a priority for them, uh, but this is a police. Uh, this is a police affair, so it it is impossible to know sanctions. I would say there are reports in the Jour de Gallo daily um, daily newspaper and also uh, in the Parisian once again to say that uh, the people that are in custody can be kept up to four days in this initial stage, and it does state that um, the first ones will be appearing before a judge tomorrow. So we may well know more more tomorrow. Catherine, an excellent appraisal of what we know so far. I think you might have a busy few months coming up. Thank you very much indeed. And um, no doubt we'll chat to you again. Thanks very much. Right, change attack now. And uh, Fitzstairs, the world's oldest bookmaker, their CEO, Will Woodhams, joins me. Um, I, first thing I want to say, actually, is I know that Fitzstairs... Um, sponsor this podcast and therefore I have an affiliation with Fitzstairs but but just aside from that as a as a, a punter yesterday enjoying the Nick Luck daily lunch at the Fitzstairs club um, it really was excellent well it's the first time I've been in there and I can highly recommend anyone in the London area that wants to to go and watch some racing and, and have a uh, a very nice bite to eat and a, and a nice time of it it's an excellent place to go I, you must be pleased with the success of it it's brilliant, and thank you for saying that. It was lovely to. See, I didn't join you yesterday, but you seemed like you were all having a good, a good time, particularly a day after the HWPA awards. And just to see you all tuck into Beef Wellington and watch some bang average Tuesday racing really cheered me. <laughs> well, I see. I hadn't run a race at the at the um, HWPA, so I was I was very fresh. Whereas um, some were, were, were showing signs that they'd had a good spin the day before. So there you are. Um, Will, listen, tell us about this book, because that's the reason you were here. I had a, a rummage through the book yesterday. Tell us about it. Brilliant. So, I mean, we're, we're fundamentally bookmakers, but we had a bit of a dream to write uh, a review of all the 100 best places in London to go. All those sorts of traditional tailors, restaurants and magical places. And we're sending some of these out to our clients and we're also selling them at the uh, plug fitsays.com forward slash shop. And it's 14.99. It's the ultimate stocking filler, but it's just a brilliant kind of old fashioned guide to London of all the places that still put sort of service at the top, you know, quality at the top of the list of the way they do things. And actually I've got 10 copies to give to your listeners. As soon as the podcast goes live, we'll put on a Fitstairs, uh, on the Fitstairs uh, Twitter, uh, we'll ask you to put your hand up and a horse emoji, and the first 10 that do that will we'll DM 
and get your addresses and have it over to you ready for um, you to put it in someone else's stocking for Christmas. Excellent. So keep your eye, keep, keep your eye on the Fitstairs Twitter feed uh, when the podcast goes live, and, and we'll be very happy to send ten out. And the, so it's London specific, is it? This, this book? Yeah, I think so. And I think because actually it's pre-sold brilliantly. Not that we want to get into publishing, really, but um, it, we will. We're looking at doing uh, another one, and it might be related to sort of race courses and racing in general around the UK. Where are the best places mm. to stay and eat and go to, you know, for Aintree or, or, or for Cheltenham, if you can find a hotel in Cheltenham. Now, yeah, yeah good luck with that. Um, I think there is something definitely in that, because the amount of times I have friends who don't go racing all the time asking, where shall I stay? What shall I do? Um, because they want to make an event of it. So I think that's an excellent idea. What else is new, Fitstairs Wise Will, that you can tell us? I'm quite excited, actually, from a racing perspective, that as of yesterday on um, iOS, which is Apple phones, we've launched our new iOS race card, which is, we think, the most comprehensive race card on any sort of bookies app. We were worried when we saw people at racing jumping between our app and sort of uh, information apps about racing, specifically the Racing Post app. So we've loaded as much information as we possibly can into all UK Irish racing and American racing and French racing and, you know, most most racing around the world. You'll see um, Sire, Dam, Breeder, all the information you need and, you know, going and weather conditions and the track. And we think it's, we think it's the most comprehensive. We actually went to owners and asked them what they were looking for um, from a piece of technology when they were at the races are at home and so we're really over the moon with the product please feedback to us if you think there's more information we could add to it but um as ever racing is front of mind for fit stairs yeah i can see you you tweeted about that launch of the um of the new race card yesterday and someone read one of my tweets it's a miracle it's, 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 yes exactly it's had a few responses um and okay. of course keep an eye out for on the the fit stairs twitter page um, the the first 10 people to reply will get a, a copy of the book sent out to them. Will, thanks ever so much. Brilliant, Tom. Lovely chatting. It's Wednesday. That means it's time to check in with our regular Hong Kong segment and a big week ahead it is too. Here's Jim McGrath. The big week has finally started. Biggest and most important few days in the Hong Kong racing calendar and what a way to kick it off. I think it's fair to say that this year's Longines International Jockeys Championship at Happy Valley today is one of the most competitive, evenly balanced jockeys tournaments ever staged. First, the visitors, Ryan Moore and Britain's favourite jockey couple, Holly Doyle and Tom Marquand, coming up against France's Mikhail Barcelona. Coming up against James McDonald, the Sydney champ representing his native New Zealand. And Jay Mack, of course, is the world's number one jockey on TRC rankings. Uh, plus, the accomplished Damien Lane from Melbourne. The list goes on. Fresh from his historic Breeders' Cup triumph, Yuga Kawada from Japan. And the home team, reigning Hong Kong champion Joe Marrera, his longtime rival, Zach Purton, as well as Vincent Ho and Alexi Bedell. The openness of the IJC reflected in the betting, I think. They are currently betting 4-1 to one the field. Ryan Moore and Zach Purton, the joint favourites, ahead of Damian Lane at 11-2. to two. Joe Marrera 13 to 2 and Bedell at 8 to 1. But that can and will change in running as each of the four legs unfold. There have been some very anxious moments for the Hong Kong Jockey Club officials leading up to this week, getting government approval to have a racing bubble that enabled visiting jockeys and trainers to fly in and complete without uh, usual mandatory 21 day quarantine was one thing. 
Then there was the last-minute drama with the private plane flying in the jockeys from England. That was delayed 24 hours due to a technical issue with the plane itself. As Tom Marquand so perceptively put it, I'm glad they discovered the fault when we were on the ground. Quite. Anyway, the jockeys are ready to do battle. And who's going to win this year's IJC? I am tipping it will be Damien Lane. He's a very good jockey. A couple of years back, he competed, completed the uh, Caulfield Cup, Cox Plate and Golden Slipper treble. Not many have done that. But he has, more importantly, had a stint riding in Hong Kong a few years back. So he knows Happy Valley well, and he's got two outstanding rides. The standout is the classy California Sybil, who can dominate the fourth leg. So race eight, number seven, California Sybil. Take him in tote swingers and other multiples with number four, Resolute, Alexi Bedell's ride. And number five, Jinsun, Jay Mack has got a chance there. I think Lane can also win the second leg with the John Size trained Dr. Winning, though he must overcome an outside awkward draw. Race nine, I should say race five, number nine, Dr. Winning to beat four A1. That's Ryan Moore's ride. Tom Marquand, now he gets his chance in the first leg. Race four, number eight, awesome treasure for David Hayes. And the third leg can go to J Mack. Race seven, number seven, Invincible Missile, saddled by Casper Founds. That's all today. I hope to be talking to you a little later in the week about Sunday's big Hong Kong international races at Cha Tin. Right, Dave, all that is left is for you to give us a tip. Right, we are going to Wolverhampton, the 210 race, number three, Lafan. Tom, this horse is taking a step forward. Pretty much every start in handicaps at the moment was just beaten a neck at Wolverhampton last time out. That was at the end of November, one pound higher here. Still a bit of scope for further progress, and I hope can go one better here. 210 at Wolverhampton, number three, Lafan. David Yates, thank you very much indeed. Thanks to everyone at home for listening. Nick Luck, we'll be back tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.